The following podcast is a proud member of the Blue Collar Roots Network. Find all the shows by visiting bluecollarroots.com. It's like your favorite call-in radio show, without being able to call in, and without being on the radio. Building HVAC Science with Bill Spone. Welcome back to another edition of the Building HVAC Science Podcast. Today we have Marco Brunsma, who's the president of Testo, Inc., the U.S. subsidiary of the global giant Testo Incorporated. Marco will cover a lot of the thoroughness that goes into the product development, the understanding of the customer needs, and really how it comes about that you get that simply elegant little product delivered to your doorstep or at your dealer's counter. So next up, Marco from Testo. Enjoy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Building HVAC Science Podcast. Today we're pleased to have Marco Brunsma, the president of Testo Inc., or Testo USA as it's sometimes called. Hello, Marco. How are you doing? Good morning, Bill. I'm doing very well. Thank you. So, Marco, we go back a few years, huh? Yeah, we do. Known you for quite a long time. It's been certainly very positive in my life, Bill. It's been a pleasure. Same here. And I really appreciate, for the listeners that don't know, I worked for Testo for just about 10 years. And Marco, how long have you been with Testo? 22 years now, Bill. Oh, I thought it was closer to 25. Well, if you take the time, I was a rep for Testo before I became a direct employee. So we could kind of bundle it all together and get close to 25. Tell me a little bit about your background. The objective of this episode is you've spent so long with Testo, especially during its latest development period of really kind of great growth, great products, great visibility in the market. What's been your perspective? Where did you come from to be able to get involved with Testo? After I graduated college, I got into doing research in the oil and gas industry, which involved a lot of testing. We tested pushing things through rocks. We broke. I spent a lot of years in destructive testing. <laughs> kind of a thrilling job for a young engineer to be able to break things and measure how did they break. As I say, a lot of it was rock mechanics developing around the oil and gas industry. From there, I got into aerospace, where I continued my illustrious career breaking things. Significant about the aerospace industry, we were testing things like rocket motor parts, propellants, etc. And a lot of it was new design work, things where people were trying to prove a concept to say, is this going to be strong enough to put into flight? And as a result of that, every time somebody wanted to run a test, if the results were not what they anticipated, the first and easiest thing to do was to blame the tester and say, were your results good or not? So we had this real urgency to be right all the time. We had to give the best answers, the right data. And so from the very beginning, the focus has always been on giving the best results and the rightest results we possibly could. And I'm very pleased to say that we were almost never found to be incorrect on any of the tests that we did, which I guess didn't always make the engineers happy. But certainly in terms of my group in the engineering department, we were very pleased with that. Excellent. After I got out of aerospace, I went into private sector working as a manufacturer's rep. And for that, I was selling instrumentation into many different industries, sold it into steel manufacturing or mining or refineries. And it was fascinating for me because I'm kind of a curious George who wants to understand how things work. 
And I got to go into incredible applications and see what people needed and then find instrumentation that helped them to solve their problems. As part of that, somebody came to me once and was looking for a combustion analyzer and segues me to Testo, where we were looking to find a company that had good combustion analyzers. We'd heard about this German company that made some very interesting products. And so we picked up the line and started selling it. So my earliest experience was being the man on the street trying to sell it to customers. As it turned out, it was a very successful line for me as a rep, which got the attention of the ownership of Testo, who invited me to come join their company. All in one big head, they had uh, big clunky printers on it, things that were going a lot into pharmaceutical, et cetera. So it was a tough mix. Where we got our greatest success was from the high-end emissions analyzer, which is what I was selling as a wrap. That was the six-gas analyzer that you could measure NOx with, and we were doing work on large engines and things of that sort. So in the earliest years, that's what we were primarily selling. We did have some product in Granger and some things through some catalog houses that we sold, but there are just miscellaneous things were kind of a hodgepodge, no clear full product strategy, no single market strategy that said we're going after this market or some other market. You'd mentioned culture shock. Tell me a little bit more about that. The product design, the way they were applied on the market, how did that sort of strike you? They were confusing, quite honestly. The culture shock of seeing so many things in metric that the U.S. perspective of things was almost wholly ignored was so successful. Why would we make a product for the United States when there were no sales there? Why would we start off with something that would have to change the way everything is being done just to accommodate the United States when we're so successful all through Europe? Well, the main reason is because the U.S. is the largest market in the world. And if you want to succeed here, you're going to have to do it the way the U.S. needs it and wants it to be. So that, I think, was a culture shock in both directions. For me, looking at things that were so German-centric and for them thinking, wow, we're going to have to leave our standard comfort zone and try a whole new way to look at things. So it took a lot of faith and vision and trust, I would imagine, between all the people. So what was this, like the size of the organization back then when you got involved? I believe when I started at Testo, the whole company worldwide was something on the order of, let's say, $35 million at that point. So not such a big company, even though they had subsidiaries in about a dozen countries, mostly European countries. The U.S. was one of the earlier ones, but never really got off the ground for the first years. I do want to back up a little bit, Bill, and address something that you said about the faith and confidence I would not have joined Testo if I had not had a reassurance by the now managing director worldwide, Burkhardt Kanaspa. When I was interviewing with Burkhardt, he assured me that the U.S. was a strategic market for Testo and that he would see to it that products would be developed for the U.S. market. When I joined Testo, he was the president of Testo U.S., but then he went back to Germany where he took over a division leadership role and in the subsequent years became head of the company worldwide. So it is greatly the faith in the relationship with Burkhart and his vision on developing this for the worldwide market, but especially for the U.S. market as well. That says a lot right there. Sort of fast forwarding to today 
What are the number of subsidiaries, sort of the size and scope of the organization? Testo's over $300 million right now. It is doing hugely successful. I think if you were to look at a sales growth curve, Testo just celebrated its 60th anniversary, and we had 59 growth years with only one year where sales were off by, I think, about a percent and a half. And that was during the 2009 collapse, when all industries collapsed. We dropped about 2% over the previous year. But every other year has been continuous growth. So Testo has had nothing but growth pretty much since its inception with that one minor exception. We are represented on all major continents. We don't have anybody in Antarctica, but... (laughs) Come on, work on that. Get going on that. We are. We're working on that. But the Penguins are a very demanding organization down there. So tight union. But we are South America. We are North America, obviously, all through Europe. We have strong organizations in Asia, Australia. So we have a global view, which is, I think, one of our greatest strengths because we can learn from every place what is going on, what are the best practices, and then incorporate it in the products that we make for the worldwide audience. So that probably enables you, as I know, and I'm sort of, I know because I work there, but you can explain to us how that enables sort of global communication. How is that enabled in the organization? Is that a strong part of the fabric that makes up Testo? It's a very exciting part of the fabric of Testo to be able to not only work with headquarters, who is the clearinghouse of all information, but also to work with the other subsidiaries, to be able to talk to the people in China and ask how things are working there, what's important. I have a lot of communication with some of the subsidiaries. One of them is in the UK, where they are an organization that in some ways is very similar to what we've got. They've got a lot of contractors. They've got a price-driven and quality-driven market. So we talk about how is it that you're succeeding? What are the driving forces there? The other subsidiaries have different requirements because of the way they go to market, the way they sell the product. But at the end of the day, everybody is still looking for quality measurements and they're all looking for good guidance. What am I supposed to do? Well, I can't know what to do without good measurement data, good insight as to what is happening now to be able to determine where to go. Worldwide regulations are not standardized. So different organizations influence things around the world And we have to accommodate that. But it's particularly interesting to me to watch how different profiles are built into the instruments to be able to say, okay, in the United States, you're doing things a certain way. We need to accommodate that. So whether it be calculations for U.S. standards, whether it be ways of reporting for U.S. specifications or U.S. requirements, it's accommodated in the instruments for the different countries. So it's a big step forward from what it was in the early days. So a lot of those profiles probably come from the way that software or firmware can be embedded in the instrument. And is Testo 100% digital? That was some of the things that I noticed when I first became aware of Testo in the, I'll call it the late 80s or so, or early 90s in my career, is Testo seemed to be focusing more on the digital where some of the other competitors or people doing measurements in the field were doing more analog measurements. Well, Testo's heritage, the original name for Testo was called Testo Term. And I believe that has something to do with temperature because Testo is credited being one of the very first digital thermometers for the medical industry. So that's one of the very first products that was made. So we are not 
100% digital. I can say that because there are some temperature indicating strips, something you'd put on the side of an engine or something, and it changes color when it gets too hot, whatever the temperature changes. But if you look at really any of the handheld instruments, it is all digital. And pretty much my entire time here, except for a couple of small dial thermometers that were used for very low cost applications. So it has been digital, all digital, all the time since I've been here. (laughs) That sounds like a good tagline for a podcast, all digital, all the time. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Digital quality all the way through. So you mentioned the name Testo Term, and I recall there's been a series of different taglines for Testo, and I think you were involved probably in the creation of some of them. Can you recall back some of the different taglines Testo used in association with the name? Well, the first one that stood for most of the time I was here, it's going to sound pretty pathetic, but it was so complicated and convoluted, I don't even recall it or don't want to recall it, but it talked about physical parameters for mechanical and who knows, it was just this big, long convoluted thing that basically was talking about being able to measure things and get good data. We had some things here in the United States from work smarter, not harder, but the company picked up the notion of having a worldwide tagline. The main one that I was involved in was called committing to the future. It was looking to The fact that nothing is about the past, it is all about where we're going and what does the future hold for us. And so committing to the future was the tagline for quite a few years. Then we went on to something to say, well, what is it that we do? And the answer to that one is really simple. It's we measure it, which was our tagline for a few years. But looking at surveys worldwide, looking at how is the Testo brand recognized by people, they did many thousands of interviews and many thousands of surveys around the world. And the biggest thing that people were stating was more or less that their confidence in what they do, that whatever it is that they do with Testo, they're sure about the results. And so the tagline now, and I think going forward for the future is be sure. So Testo is about being sure that you're going to get it right, that we're going to take care of you, that what you're doing is being done with the best available technology. So be sure is our current and I think long-lasting tagline. That's pretty cool. It goes back, I can see the evolution there, talking about the vision, the committing to the future, the faith in people, but also the faith in measurements and understanding the customers are making a measurement for a reason. And you want to deliver so that they can have confidence and do their work very well. So that's very cool, very awesome. Something I'd like to add into that, Bill, and this is something that comes out of my rep days to joining Testo. In the rep days, you're not really sure of every product and every company. You're just trying to sell things to fill a need. And you don't have the time and the energy to get into every little detail of every product. And so therefore, sometimes people would complain about something and you would go back to the factory and say, there's a problem with this product. And sometimes the engineers would help you, sometimes they wouldn't. Being a rep sometimes is a very difficult job. When I joined Testo, people would call up and say, we found a problem with your measurement. And my first reaction was to say, well, we have a problem with our measurement. But after a bunch of bake-offs where our data was put up against whatever reference, whatever standard there was, I became very comfortable with the idea that we're right. Testo measurements are right. And I managed to put aside that rep thinking 
to the point now where the answer is much more, okay, let's agree that there's a difference in reading and let's look into why there's a difference in reading. But 99 times out of 100, testo readings are right. And there's something with the reference that is in question, which is a very different place to be. And great to be us because what confidence you have when you go into the marketplace to know that your readings are right. That's what it's all about. If your readings aren't right, what's it for? Exactly. It's a low quality in Testo's, if nothing, about quality. I can remember one situation when I was at Testo where we had a challenge on the carbon monoxide reading as compared to another type of analyzer. And it ended up that Testo does this filtration for nitric oxide gas which tricks a CO sensor. And Testo was reading very low numbers, whereas the other brand was reading high, but it came down to the point that Testo did the science correctly. And that actually spilled over to becoming part of a national standard with the Building Performance Institute. Nitric oxide sensors are now required for proper CO measurements. So sort of like Testo pushes back with the science. That's the way I like to think of it. Without a doubt. And I know that during your time, at Testo, you had a chance to work with the engineers and the scientists at Testo headquarters. And I am constantly amazed at how clever these guys are. And I've worked in aerospace, but that's what I was talking about before. And I was never as impressed as the clever science that these engineers are doing in Germany, what they've come up with. So it's very good to be on the positive side of, we know the measurements are right. And I think part of the interesting thing is that we've talked about this before, Marco, is water still boils at 212 degrees at, at atmospheric at uh, sea level in Germany as well as it does in the U.S. So a lot of these things are based upon physical science. It is very well grounded. It isn't based upon opinion or units of measurement. It's based upon physical science, and Testo does that science so well. I completely agree, although I do think it's 100 degrees C in Germany while it's 212 degrees here. <laughs> Talk about the different markets in terms of product markets that Testo was involved with in your early tenure and, and how those have changed and shaped. Because I think a lot of our listeners are probably know Testo from the HVAC side primarily in the combustion analyzers. You talked about uh, higher end combustion analyzers, but I'm not sure people understand the full scope of the Testo business, the full scope of the organization. Well, one of the strengths of Testo is its diversification that there are different things that we measure that are common to different industries. If you take a look at a clean room in a pharmaceutical production plant, they have very, very high demands on what is the temperature, what is the humidity, what is the airflow going in and out of a room, clean rooms. They have the highest, most critical demands on how things are measured. Well, we measure those things. We are reference for those types of parameters, to be able to do it so precisely and then be able to say, but look, we can do this for yet another market. Well, who else needs temperature and humidity? Obviously, just HVAC for residential is a very good place for it. But when we look at the temperatures, we're looking now at food, food preparation, food quality. Temperature is a very important thing for the HACCP, the food quality standards. So, Temperatures and oil qualities and things of that sort are being used in the food market. We're doing stuff for biomed. We're doing stuff for the environment and looking at larger emission sources where you take measurements of exhaust gases out of a big diesel engine or out of combustion turbine or a big boiler. These are all parameters that are helping to keep the environment clean. 
and using portable seven, eight pound combustion analyzers to help keep these devices running right is another market we're doing. We do industrial sector where we're looking at transmitters. We're looking at being able to take long-term measurements in manufacturing facilities. Again, food pharma is a big place that we go. And something that's becoming a very big portion of the business is being able to create solutions for what it is that people do. Being able to not just take the measurement, to be able to integrate those measurements into your data reporting system. How do you integrate that into your overall process? So if you look at where we go, our calibrations are being used in automotive. They're being used. And actually something, Bill, that we haven't talked about, we do dust and particles. Nanoparticles that are being used for ambient level. There's people riding bicycles around cities wearing testo monitors to measure what is the populace ingesting into their lungs. Nanoparticles are particles that can damage your respiratory system, and governments are looking at this to try and help create better air quality standards. So it's the breadth of what we're doing is incredible, and it just continues to expand. That's really awesome. I can see here, I'm taking notes as we go along to kind of keep track of all this. There's a lot of complexity to what you're talking about, and it's dawning on me again. The movement from the physical parameters of electronic measurement of physical parameters, that original tagline, which is like the really good sensors, to the point where people understand talking about providing solutions, providing good quality information, understanding the market. I think that's really where things are headed with Testo, or actually you're already there, it seems to a large extent, uh, where you really understand these different markets. So how does a combustion analyzer, that's what I would call one of the deepest lines that Testo is in. So tell me a little bit about how you cover from really basic combustion to this more complex combustion. What's involved? Some of the major steps in there. Steps in terms of the levels of what people are looking for. If we were to take it from a simple but very important safety aspect, being able to look at ambient CO in somebody's home, somebody's workplace. Ambient CO is something that can slowly suffocate you if you have too much of it. And being able to go in and say we have a reliable reference point, a reliable zero, and be able to go into a building and say, Is it 5 ppm? Is it 9 ppm? Is it above a threshold, 50, 60 ppm? Single gas. CO is a very simple pocket instrument. You move up the ladder a little bit. People are now looking at combustion efficiency and trying to be able to save fuel, optimize the performance of equipment to manufacture specification. And this would be O2 CO with a calculated CO2. So being able to measure combustion efficiency, do all the calculations for contractors is a very important step. And by the way, this is something that I feel like Testo greatly helped to revolutionize that market because when we really entered the market in the United States, people were doing chemicals. They were basically using something, shaker bottles or wet kits to be able to look at a reading and they would have to pump a sample through a liquid and It would take a very long time, and they could not watch the changes dynamically as they were taking place. Digital instrument, you make a change, you see the change on the digital readout, and you're able to see, are you going in the right direction, the wrong direction, to be able to make the correct change. So simple residential combustion analyzer for a company that is making measurements occasionally. We have a low-end instrument, or I'll call it an entry-level instrument. Then you have one that would be for light commercial, 
residential light commercial, which is one for a guy that's testing five times a day. He's going out and going from house to house, making efficiency tests, looking to make sure the systems are running properly. So we have instruments for that. You go into a higher level where people are beginning to worry about NOx. So O2, CO, NO. Now you're looking at instruments that are doing computer interface. They're able to take longer term readings. You're taking measurements on bigger and bigger burner systems. Then you get into a foregas, O2, CO, NO, NO2. You can put in SO2, not so much of it here in the United States, but if you're burning coal or some of the dirty, the sour gases that you have, you might get into SO2. Then you get into a six gas analyzer where, let's face it, all gloves are off in that regard. We're able to measure almost all parameters and they're being used by agency people. They're being used for research. They're being used for making sure that devices are running in compliance with air quality laws. So it is a very deep line. It's certainly what I would consider the cornerstone of Testo's product offering, which is combustion. It's where some of our greatest expertise is and certainly place where I think we developed our reputation in the United States in the beginning. When was that first combustion analyzer going back? Do you recall when the first one, Testo, came out in the market that was displacing those wet kits? The first instrument that was here when I arrived was a Testo 342. And it didn't displace much because it was very expensive and very difficult to work on. But an instrument that I think was designed very much for the U.S. market was the Testo 325. And it was developed to meet the performance requirements. It was developed to calculate the data in the way the U.S. is looking for it. And it had a lot of great features on it. It had replaceable sensors. It had very long-term stability on the calibration. So the Testo 325 was really the first instrument that put Testo on the map. It was and still is a great instrument. If you see how many of them are still out in the field, it's wonderful news. That's pretty cool. I do remember when I first came on board with Testo, the 325 was sort of the workhorse of the HVAC market at that time. So now Testo's known for a lot of refrigeration, refrigeration smart probes. I got to say, can you agree that they've been a hit on the market? Yes, but I'm going to correct one small thing you said is refrigeration. And yes, we do refrigeration, but we do a lot more air conditioning than we do refrigeration. So yes, we go into grocery stores or we do industrial refrigeration systems. And without a doubt, we're capable of doing that. But I think that the greatest success has been on the air conditioning side and It started with the digital manifolds, which I think we really revolutionized the market with the Testo 550s. We started with the 560, 523s, but I think we really hit the sweet spot when the 550 came out, tens of thousands of those being sold into the market every year. And we did for the air conditioning market, I think what we did for the combustion market, which was to take a lot of burdensome calculations multiple measurements, and we did it all using digital technology to be able to give you the responses, to give you the calculations real time so that you're able to tune more accurately and to be able to tune to a much finer detail than you ever were able to do before, which with high efficiency systems, the tolerances are getting tighter and tighter. Errors on manual gauges, on the analog gauges, and looking at them up on charts 
you're not able to hit an, a high enough accuracy to meet most manufacturers' specifications. So the revolution continues to digital. In my perspective, that progression that you mentioned occurred more rapidly than the combustion progression from sort of the complexity, the clunky to the streamlined digital app-based culture that seemed to occur like in a matter of the last three, four or five years. Well, Bill, you and I have been around for a few years, so we've seen change taking place. And I think that everybody would have to agree that digital technology is changing at lightning paces. And one thing you said was app-based. To go from something that's embedded in the instrument where the firmware is the complete control of the system and everything is managed by firmware, and then you have to have a software program, you got it on a floppy disk or you got it on a CD, now it's cloud-based. Now you're getting updates on your app. If there's something new that you need for your app, we're able to update it on the fly so that you have greater capabilities within your devices and you don't even have to go send it back for a firmware update or download a specific software update. It's done for you automatically, which is so dramatic. It's just things are happening very, very quickly. And I'm very pleased to say that Testo's at the forefront. This whole app-based smart probe technology I see other companies starting to do it, but Testo has been at it for several years now and just absolutely tens of thousands of products out in the marketplace. And people are very happily using them on a daily basis. I remember when I first came to Testo, the sticks, remember those, the measurement sticks? Oh my, yes. Yeah. I think that's where like the first stick in the ground, pardon the pun, was uh, made for what have become the smart probes today. And Testo seems to always do this great thing with leveraging the science behind the sensors, going back to the engineers and scientists in Germany. But in order to do those solutions, it's got to involve sort of the local culture, the local market. Do you want to speak towards that, how Testo is involved in different committees, forums, conferences, that kind of thing? Absolutely. First of all, I think that the backbone of all measurements is the good science that takes place. And once you've got that to a point where you are very confident in the readings, which years and years we've gotten very, very strong readings. Now it becomes a matter of being able to communicate the data out, how to get the data to people, how do people use the data. One of Testo's biggest initiatives is voice of customer, understanding what it is that the customer needs. If we're going to stay ahead of the market, if we're going to stay ahead of the needs of the customer, we need to hear what they have. What is it that is trending? Where are things going? We need to know that from a technology base. We look at that constantly. What is the latest communication output? What is the greatest sensor miniaturization? All of those things are critically important, but how is it being used? That, at the end of the day, is the most important part. What are people using it for now, and what will they need it for going forward? So talking to the contractors, asking from a guy that's got a single truck and he's chief cook and bottle washer, all the way up to these companies that have hundreds of trucks that are trying to synchronize what everybody is doing, integrated into their day-to-day -day operations. We need to understand what everybody's using. Additionally, there are organizations that are the guidance to industry. It's made up of industry. You take a look at AHR, ASHRAE, the ResNet people. You take a look at Building Performance Institute. There's so many different organizations where the finest, the best minds within the industry 
are helping to put together guidance on how things should be done. Sometimes it's at the forefront. Sometimes it's trying to keep up with the way the technology goes. But Testo's involvement in those organizations helps us to, A, understand where people are trying to go, what they're trying to accomplish, what is important to the industry going forward. Also, what are they doing today? What are the issues of the day that we're trying to resolve? So to hear the voice of customer, to hear the voice of the industry allows us to hear and anticipate where everything is going so that the solutions are happening almost as quickly as the technology is available. And I think that the smart probes are a perfect example of that. Apps are just barely coming out. People are just beginning to use their smartphones. And here Testo is with instrumentation that will speak multiple devices to your smartphone and be able to give you your data calculated that you can transmit it to your head office, to your customer via email. It's only the most recent step, but promise you more and more to come. Can you give us an example of one of the committees or associations or endeavors that the Testo takes part in? Kind of walk us through that a little bit. Absolutely. ASHRAE, I think, is one of the most common, one of the most widespread known industries that we're working with on the HVAC side of things. And there are committees that deal with the combustion process, deal with the airflow process, deal with a whole variety of different parameters. The combustion committee is one of the longest projects that I think we have ever been involved in, which is to try and internationalize the standards for the proper technology to be able to say, you wouldn't want to get a different reading in a different country than you would in the United States. To be able to look at things like efficiency calculations, they're not standardized worldwide. How can you say what is the efficiency if you're working on a boiler in China, if you're working on a boiler in the United States? Many of the boilers are made by the same manufacturers worldwide. They would like to see standardization of the kinds of results that you're going to get. So working on committees like the Combustion Analyzer 1260 group, which is gas detection and analysis, trying to help bring standardization and clarity on how things are done for proper testing and proper techniques. That was a long time in the making, and I think that was just released earlier this year, AHRI 1260. Yeah, that's correct. However, there are still additional controlling documents that are required for that one, which is, I know that you've been on a lot of committees and sometimes they move quickly and sometimes they don't. But the bottom line is if you don't stay involved and you don't keep pushing, nothing happens. True. I think what you're illustrating here is there's an awful lot of thoughtfulness and complexity that most customers probably don't realize when they look at that bright orange box that's up there on the shelf at the wholesaler, that there's a lot that goes on behind this. Speaking of the bright orange box and the product, the product design, forgive me for saying, but I think they're actually pretty elegant looking products. How does that come about? Why does Testo do that? Can you speak towards that at all? I would love to. I have a very distinct memory of something that took place once upon a time. I was sitting in Burkhart's office. Burkhart is the managing director worldwide. And somebody came in with a mock-up of one of the instruments that was being proposed and hadn't seen it yet. It was still in development. And they brought it into Burkhart and he looked at it and he said, 
No, that looks too much like a cell phone. Cell phones change every six months. There's a new model, something later and greater, and they don't last. Everybody expects something new and greater. Take a look at the automotive industry. Let's look at a BMW. Let's look at a really elegant car. Those are designs that are designed to last for a longer period of time. Let's see if we can't join the aesthetic that is taking place on that level as opposed to going into the commoditization of cell phones. And so there are multiple things that go into the product, the product housing, which is both visual as well as tactile. How does it feel in your hand? How does it look and how does it feel in your hand? And so that process goes through a great deal of work. But at the end of the day, I would have to say that Burkhart and his aesthetic has really been the driving force as to what they look like. That's not to say that there's not many, many people in the company who are contributing to make all of these things happen. But at the end of the day, it still goes through the executive committee before something such as a complete design element is launched to the market. And to that end, if you consider the tens of thousands of instruments that are going to be handled by people around the world, I think that's something that's extremely important to make sure you get it right. Very true. So speaking about around the world, you mentioned before all major continents except Antarctica. How many subsidiaries are there? How many divisions of Testo? And then even beyond the subsidiaries, there's also dealers and representatives. It's a pretty massive network. Yes, absolutely. Testo has a series of 28 subsidiaries worldwide. There are also exclusive distributors in some countries where it is not large enough or the business relationship was not such that they made a subsidiary out of it. They have exclusive distribution. So these are now over 40 countries where we have this exclusive relationship between subsidiaries and exclusive distribution. Then when you start getting into distribution, here in the United States, we are dealing with thousands and thousands of branches. And I'm speaking primarily of HVAC on the side of it, notwithstanding the fact that we are into the emissions market, we're into the pharma market, we're into the food market. So I don't want to cloud the issue by saying that it's all HVAC. I know that this is uh, significant to your business, but the things that we're doing with exclusive distribution for emissions products or representatives that are taking care of some of our more complex products. It's managing that many relationships is not boring. (laughs) I think you could use probably a different phrase. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I have to say it's really exciting. If to do just one thing is plenty, but my position is just so fantastic that I get to deal with different forms of products, different markets, different forms of distribution, working with headquarters, working with people internationally. I got to tell you, I have the greatest job I can imagine. That's very cool. A little while ago, you mentioned calibrations. I I believe Testo has a calibration lab. We want to talk a little about that. Testo has a very strong subsidiary in headquarters called Testo Industrial Services, which is the reference laboratory for much of Europe. So Testo is what they call the DKD, which is the authority for standards. In the United States, we do something for NIST where we send it back to Gaithersburg, Maryland to say, okay, give me the highest level of calibration. You go to NIST. Well, for many things in Europe, Testo is the reference. 
Now, here in the United States, we have a calibration laboratory, and it is not as huge as the one that they have at headquarters. But when you look at the caliber of the asset itself, the standards for calibration labs, the highest certification standard is a 17025, which is an ISO standard, which Testo US also has. So Testo calibration labs reach the highest level worldwide. We calibrate all of our temperature, humidity, combustion, airflow hoods. So if you're calibrating a flow hood, we have NIST certified calibration facilities for all of that. And would that just be Testo brand products only? No, of course not. Quality measurements don't require that you calibrate only Testo products. Our calibrations would be capable of doing anybody's. Great. I do some show notes along with the podcast, so I will put in a link to the Testo calibration. And how would people get in touch with you if they wanted to follow up or learn a little bit more? Pretty straightforward. Info at testo.com is the most direct way to get in touch with somebody by email. We have an 800-227-0729. And whether it be something with regard to sales, service, or calibration, anything can be addressed through that phone number. Great. I know you're likely going to be at the AHR Expo this year in January. Is that true? Of course, yes. You personally, and as well as Testo, with a pretty significant presence, I want to invite anyone who's listening to this. This would be January 2018. And again, I'll put a link to the actual trade show so you could stop by and visit Testo's booth. And it's always pretty fun to see what's going on there, the diversity of products, and especially for the HVAC market. What would you say you've sort of like a striking anecdote in your measurement science Testo product career, something that was this memory that's going to stick with you forever, some little story? There was an opportunity that we had in Southern California. And I apologize, this is not an HVAC one, but this is one of my favorite story about the accuracy and the reliability of Testo instruments. There were testing engines out in the desert. There was some question about the stability, the control of air fuel ratio controllers, catalysts, et cetera. And they were going to be running this series of tests out in the desert on some very large reciprocating engines. They had brought out a very large trailer to run the gas analysis of this stuff. Typically, these things cost about a quarter of a million dollars. It's a big trailer, temperature controlled, bunch of instruments inside of it. At the last minute, they said, hey, Testo, would you like to measure alongside of us? It should be kind of interesting. So one of our people, a gentleman named Knut Hoyer, who was in the country at that point, Craig McKim, who's the division manager over that group, said, yeah, let's get in on this. So they took a Testo 350, they cable tied it to a pole <laughs> outside next to the engine. And because it was going to be a long-term test, they put a garbage pail. They went to like a Walmart and bought one of those large garbage pails, cut a hole in it to get fresh air to it, just put it over the top to make sure that the rain stayed off it should it ever rain. Another instrument was put inside the trailer to run parallel to their instruments. And these instruments just ran. Now, the trailer was calibrated every day. Every day they would run the test and they would look at it and make sure everything was running accurately. The Testo instruments just ran. If they ran the CalGas, they just measured it. They didn't try to adjust the instruments. Because this was a very high visibility series of tests, there were these big conference calls taking place on a routine basis. And they would go through, how did this device work? How did that device work? And then they said, well, how did the Testos work? And the person on the phone said, well, 
you know what? The Testo Knox readings are exactly right on. However, their CO reading looks to be a little bit low. And so kind of what I said before, could we agree that there's just a difference in reading and everybody's kind of chortling thinking, yeah, $250,000 trailer and $10,000 Testo instrument. Yeah, who's going to be right here, right? Yeah, exactly. So we got on the phone, called up headquarters and said, okay, guys, we're kind of confused. Why do you think we might be reading low? We can't think of anything. And so they scratched their head and said, well, is there any laughing gas in the exhaust stream? Now, I've been testing for a lot of years, but laughing gas, N2O, is there any laughing gas? Well, we knew somebody who had an FTIR, a very exotic instrument, went out and tested the device and said, you know what? Sure enough, there is N2O. And nobody ever asked that question before. Everybody was like, this is unheard of. And then our guys at headquarters said, and what kind of CO instrument is the trailer using? And they basically said, well, of course, everybody knows that there's a cross interference between N2O and that CO instrument, which completely shocked everybody. Nobody had ever thought about it. Nobody had ever heard about it. And at the end of the day, if you take the cross interference out, the Testo instrument was right. Their reference instrument was wrong. And this was done on a very, very public forum. This was done so that very large manufacturers who are pretty much now standardized on Testo instruments, by the way, noticed that this instrument strapped to the side of a pole outside doing nothing special was more accurate than a quarter of a million dollar trailer. So truly one of my favorite. How good is Testo? Testo is extraordinary. Awesome. We talked about the breadth of products and a couple of ones that come to mind that people may not be totally aware of are like the thermal imaging products. When did those come on board? Testo started with the 880. I'm going to guess probably around 2003, 2004. Came into a very, very crowded market. Image quality is extraordinary. Testo went to great lengths to try and create the easiest to use, highest resolution instrument that was available on the market. I am disappointed to say that we were really much crowded out by people in the market who wanted to control distribution access to it. So some of the bigger players tried to prevent the instrument from reaching the market. At the end of the day, it has affected the overall sales of the instrument. But if you can get your hands on a Testo thermal imager, you're going to get one of the best thermal imagers that are available on the market right now. High resolution, great communication, wonderful instruments for building science in addition to industrial markets for doing preventive maintenance, et cetera. And there's that super resolution feature, is that correct? Super resolution is a pretty remarkable interpolation, if you will, taking data of several points and looking at it and saying, okay, we can refine what the reading is by interpolating between points as you move. Now, I'm an amateur photographer and movement in photography is normally a bad thing because it gives you a fuzzy image. But in the interpolation using the thermal imager, that small micro movement allows you to look at the sample points and be able to interpolate to give a more accurate reading. It's a pretty remarkable engineering feat. Is it just like the micro movements, the handshake kind of thing? Absolutely. Nothing special you need to do. It is just that small movement that you make allows you to take readings in the vicinity of the one reading and be able to get a much clearer image of what the temperature is doing. 
Very cool. And that's, that's unique to Testo, that. And uh, another product area which our HVAC listeners might not be aware of, but you also do a pH measurement. And that would be used like for boiler pH as well as, I'm sure, other applications for pH. Yeah, pH is something very common to the scientific market, but yes, absolutely. It's, again, digital instruments that are being able to use taking digital readings of pH. As you say, boiler water is a prime example of that. Industrial processes, lab processes, all use pH as a critical reading. We do do a lot of things, don't we, Bill? We do. One other product line, probably somewhat obscure maybe to our listeners, but I'll say it, it relates to the quality of French fries that I experienced in Germany. When I used to travel and visit Testo, I always had the greatest French fries just about anywhere I went. And how does Testo contribute to that? Testo has a unique instrument that measures oil quality. And I don't want to go too much down a rabbit hole on how one determines oil quality, but it has to do with something called total polar materials. And being able to tell, has an oil expired? Has too much of this degrading property been experienced in the oil that you should get rid of it? What is the purpose of an oil quality tester? Well, we called him a French fry mechanic, some 16-year-old <laughs> part-time kid yeah. who's going to tell you that your oil needs to be changed on your French fries. When you have your brand quality at risk, this is a big issue. So being able to maintain the proper oil quality while cooking deep-fried foods, such as French fries, is a very important thing. What people found was that they were, in many cases, throwing the oil away too quickly. And so they were trying to maintain the brand, but at the cost of the oil. This is a measurement way to be able to say, is the oil still within the parameters that we want it to be? And should we keep the oil or should we get rid of it? It's not based on this French fry mechanic or some arbitrary reading. It is done actually by measuring it. So the Testo 270 is a very sophisticated device, but very easy to use that'll tell you very quickly, how does the oil quality at that point? That's amazing. And it's about the sensors again, right? Sensors and understanding the application. And also taking the sensor and conditioning the data, taking the data, what does that change on that sensor mean in terms of a physical parameter? And that's true of pretty much everything we measure. It's, okay, the sensor says one thing, but what does that mean? How do we interpret that? Is it a go, no go? Is it a high efficiency? Is it a dangerous reading? You have to take not only the reading, but what do you do with the data that you get? Absolutely. Interestingly enough, a gentleman I work with once upon a time said, you know what? Most people don't want to drill. They want a hole. <laughs> to me, that is the thing is most people don't want to take a measurement. They just want to know what the answer is. And we work on trying to give you the answer much more than trying to give you the measurement. You want the data. You want to know how was it. And that's what we try to give you. I was going to put you on the hot seat and ask you for your favorite quote, but I'm just going to use that one. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. You're preemptive with that. Most people don't want to drill. They want a hole. Yep. That's the truth. That is so cool. Thank you. Any other points you want to bring out, discuss with us, talk to our listeners about? I absolutely do, Bill. And we talked before about data and the importance of data. And we talked more about communication. We talked about how to integrate this stuff. And the big thing that we've been seeing is how are people taking the data and what are they going to do with it? And what we're seeing now is with consolidation in companies, as 
small companies become larger companies as they acquire or get acquired. Many of these companies are relying on software to route the drivers to where they're going, the technicians to where they're doing their next work. They're trying to control the activities or to manage the activities to the level of maximum efficiency. And many of those companies now, when they go to somebody's home, are taking data when they're there to say, okay, we tested your systems. We looked at the heating in your house. We looked at the air conditioning in your house. All systems are running well. There's data behind that. Now, how do you tie that data to the customer? And this is where solutions come in, being able to take that data and tie it digitally back to the customer. This is where Testo Solutions comes in to be able to integrate our data into your software. So this is an emerging market that Testo is very involved in. We're doing it in the food industry to a great extent, being able to go to large food chains and be able to integrate all of their important data, all of the alarms, all of the things that they use to control food quality. This is something that Testo Solutions is working on tremendously right now. However, HVAC is turning more and more and more to this way. And I just want to remind everybody that this is something that is in Testo's wheelhouse. We make good measurements. We're able to handle the data. And we want to be able to help you integrate it into whatever else it is that you need to run your business more effectively. Awesome. I see a lot of detail with regard to saving energy, controlling energy, economies, just sort of throughout this whole conversation today, that energy and economy and savings and solutions oriented, as well as safety. I mean, there's just so many aspects to it. It's really pretty amazing. Well, building performance is such a complex element of the business. There are so many things that need to be measured, so many data that needs to be integrated together. Being able to help you keep track of that, not only take the measurement, but keep track of all of that stuff so you're able to optimize your work as well as the person's building, I think is a big part of the challenge everybody's facing. And we're working very hard to try and help make that easier and more effective for everybody. Can't wait to see what you guys come up with next. This was a great interview, really. It actually uh, sort of brings back a lot of memories for me. And you actually explained a couple things that I didn't realize or know about. I'm sure the listeners got a lot out of this, too. Any closing thoughts? Certainly, Bill, your relationship with Testo when you were here and since you've been on your own at True Tech Tools has been a great benefit to Testo. We're eternally grateful for your ongoing support. And thank you very much for letting me do the interview with you today. Oh, you're welcome. It's against like a mutual admiration society here, but thank you for the way you shaped my career. You personally, as well as Testo collectively, uh, shaped my career. A lot of things I learned would, wouldn't be doing as well without having that experience with Testo. Absolutely mutual, Bill. Thank you. Marco, thank you again for coming on. Maybe we'll get you back again sometime and definitely uh, look forward to seeing you at the HR Expo and anyone listening, please, if you can, stop by in Chicago, get to meet Marco in person. Bill, thank you very much. Thank you for listening today to Marco talk about Testo Inc. in his role, in his background, in his career, and how he helped develop Testo, and some of the approaches Testo takes to making better and better test instruments that you get to use. If you're interested in reaching out to me or becoming a sponsor of the Building HVAC Science podcast, please email me at bill underscore spohn, S-P-O-H-N, at bluecollarroots.com. 
bluecollarroots.com is the nexus for all of the great podcasts that we're doing. We have about five or six different shows running from all aspects of the Blue Collar Roots network. We also encourage you to subscribe. You can do that by searching for Building HVAC Science in your favorite podcast app or download. And we'll wrap up with one of my favorite quotes. I like competition. It's difficult to stand out in a crowd of one. So have a great day, and we look forward to having you come back and listen to more of the podcast on the Building HVAC Science Podcast. Take care.